Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden, and also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan. Rachel Young, a true crime goddess. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time. They are three book girls. I sound all sexy today. You've got your phone yeah. sex voice going. Hi, baby. Yeah. Did I tell you how much I missed you? It's okay, because I got a sexy book to review today. Woo-hoo. I don't even know what book See I'm going to review yet. Oh, oh there's Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. Okay, so I brought Ryder today, right? Yeah. And Ryder likes to ride in the front seat. Echo rides in the front seat. It's and I mean, Echo was in the front seat. So Ryder tricked Echo into jumping into the back seat. And as soon as Echo jumped in the back seat, Ryder jumped right up in the front seat and laid down. Oh, mom, what the fuck happened? (laughs) This is my spot. So that's how she rode most of the way up here. It's like that. Poor baby. Here's the goal for the year. Because the year starts for us in August. Because that's when we started our podcast. And I want to go on world tour. I want to go all over the U.S. and the world. Okay, so let's talk about that. Because I now am going to have vacation time and money to take a vacation. (gasps) So I think we need to go somewhere international. So I have an excuse to get a pot, uh, passport. I think you say potport. And I was like, what? Passport. <laughs> passport. I need a passport and go somewhere. Well, you Fun already know that I'm in. I don't care where we go. I want to go. I'm always down. I mean, clearly. I don't know. I, it, well, it depends on what happens with my parents aren't supposed to go to Italy next May. So it depends if the world's. Well, yeah, and I'm a little worried right now. You know, if we had gone forward with our plan the way we were going to do it, we would have had tickets to Scotland in August. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good thing that didn't so, happen. So thanks, Bonnie, for not being able to afford to go. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Bonnie, for being I think, poor. I think, did Rachel freeze again? Oh, no. no, she didn't freeze. Okay. No, I'm here. Are you picking your nose, Rachel? <laughs> No, do you want me to? No, I just can't see you very well from here. Speaking of which, is my nose whistle gone? All right, everybody be quiet. Bonnie, breathe normally. Is it gone? I think so. I think so. (laughs) Bonnie had a nose whistle when she came in. And you know how sensitive I am to that. Oh, God bless it. I'm really, you know how when you have like regular habits in your life, something that you're comfortable doing and you're used to doing. Yes. And then all of a sudden you can't do that thing. Mm Mm-hmm. It's almost like a tick that I yeah. have where when I sit in a chair, I have to have my left foot under my butt. Oh, um, and that's the one that's sprained. And it is a fat, nasty tendon issue. Ouch. And so I can't bend my foot, A. I can't sit on my foot, B. And every time I move my foot around, it hurts. So I'm cross on all these levels today. <laughs> For those who weren't on Friday's call, Martha... <laughs> broke herself on vacation all right here's what happened <clears throat> well let's just say mulch and kraken doesn't go well together it wasn't kraken it was a beer well whatever and I alcohol did- and mulch doesn't go <laughs> so what happened was this uh, lake resort that we go to it's a it's a cabin and the stairs there's only two stairs up to the door uh, or up to the deck and they're 
little stairs. They're not big stairs with a big drop. It's just two small stairs and then the deck. While I was coming down the stairs, leaving the cabin, going to dinner, and I was drinking a beer at the same time. So I went up to swig the beer, came down on the bottom step, rolled my ankle and like tromped on it right there on the very side. And I was kind of running. (laughs) So I fell into the mulch, which is right next to the right next to the uh, stairs. Well, that would have been fine. Of course, it hurt like a fucking bitch. And I laid in the, I was laying in the mulch and I look up. (laughs) There's one of my nieces. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even lay my way out of this. She saw the whole thing. That's how it normally goes. I was talking to my sister the other day, actually last night. And, um, (laughs) She had called me before because she had, um, they did um, a paranormal thing at Cowtown where she works at. Nice. And like the guys who came down, they've been down before. And so they wanted to like get together and like drink the day or, you know, the night before and have a little party and everything. (laughs) So my sister called me and told me that she was going to go do this and everything. And then she calls me the next day and she's like, I don't know what the fuck happened yesterday. She said, but I can't remember half the night and I woke up with a black eye. Oh, shit. Did yeah. she get roofied? I th- well, that's what I asked her. She said, I don't know how I could have because she bought like bottles of mojitos from the store. So nobody was making her drinks. Did she get up and go to the bathroom at any point? Well, and that's leave her what drink I asked unattended? her. But I was like, good <clears throat> Lord, Vanessa. That sounds like a very suspicious... Go look at their social media and see if they posted any pictures of her naked. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I mean, some of the guys who she works with who know her told her that she she fell face first onto the ground when she went outside. Oh, my. So And she doesn't remember it? And she doesn't remember it. Did and she so not she, eat, like, all day and then drink a bunch? Because that can happen. I don't know. I'm I don't thinking know what she that did. That sounds like a roofie to me. I'm like, did it you does. did you eat any brownies or anything? Right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you had an edible and didn't know. Somebody it. was having fun at her expense, I think, and not in a good way. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> happened there. Sorry, the coughing really is my asthma because I didn't take my asthma medicine today. Mm. Just trying the to make sh- us all feel better that we don't the have Rona. But the shield, I've got my shield. Yes. So when mm-hmm. I'm Martha's plexiglass across the front of her microphone, just for those who obviously aren't in the room and can't see it. Yeah, this is my innovation, my Corona innovation. Oh, how how are we all feeling after uh, the T Swift folklore release? Have we all you know felt the need to text all of our exes and cry into a cup of coffee or hot chocolate? I don't mm. even know what the no. tea. I think just that's me. just you, Megan. Just me. Well, Damn. I mean, did something new happen? Because she I know released that- an entire album. That nobody knew about. Uh, let's see. Thursday Friday. night. Friday night. Well, yeah. Thursday Into night. Friday. Yeah. Thursday night at midnight. Isn't that what she does? Isn't she like an artist? Don't they release albums? Well, yes, yes, but usually. <laughs> Why is that unusual? Usually <laughs> normally there's there like is, hype and talk. Yeah. And, usually she oh. talks about it. Usually the record company knows something. And being an insider, I can tell you that nobody, nobody knew. knew anything about it. It happened. Like that day, she said, oh, but yeah, by the way, at midnight, I'm releasing an album. So was it about all of her exes? I think it's it's almost like a cathartic sounding album. It's a Corona album. album is what it is. Yeah. It's all the songs that she was writing while she was in isolation. And it's super maudlin. 
Yeah, it's very mm-hmm. like coffee shop. I and I don't normally love like slower songs. Like normally, I'm like, where's the pop song? Like, give me a fast song. And like this whole album is just oh, Mang is it's like so good. <laughs> I know it is. I, well, and then I laughed because people online were like, "Is everybody ready for tomorrow?" Like when Taylor Swift tells us what stage of life we're entering. <laughs> like, the, and then somebody else posted, and they're like, "Hey, boyfriends and like significant others, did you know there's a Taylor Swift album? Because if you didn't, you should probably listen to it and make sure your relationship isn't one of those songs. And make and sure if it, you're not starred in it. Yeah, they're they're like make well like as in like make sure your girlfriend or significant other isn't like identifying with one of the songs because if she is, you might be in trouble, and you should probably call her before she. <laughs> She breaks up with you. Just you should check on your chocolates. check on your Pisces friends. Yes, <laughs> so true. Megan is so Pisces. I'm so Pisces. I it's think very she, interesting. And did she break up with her? I think she must have boyfriend. I think she had to have. Because hmm. I feel like some of the songs were kind of like. Not that I care up. at all, but I think that's the only time that she writes songs is when she breaks up with somebody. Uh, tr- well, no, she wrote well, some pop, as a, pop as a, ups. As a writer, I can tell you that. If you're not miserable, it's really hard to write, which is why I don't write anymore because I'm not miserable anymore. I mean, I wrote a lot of fan fiction. Rachel, as a therapist, would you like to weigh in on this? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) You could argue, though, that the reason that an artist is able to perform, you know, when they're like that is because it's a positive coping skill. It helps them process out and, you know, fix, not fix necessarily, but figure out what's going on and how to work through it so that's um, i'd agree with that maybe this is just me being creative but okay so i'm cleaning my back bedroom today and the doorknob like keeps coming off it's one of those like um <laughs> handle ones oh, take, take okay. your take your cell phone with you into your bedroom <laughs> in case i have to come and get you out well it's just it's not the whole doorknob it's just the um the outside like the, swoopy the handle swoopy thing part okay it's, okay you know because i've yeah. said before i live in a handicapped accessible apartment so it's the swoopy knob. right it's not an actual knob it's yeah. more right. of a pole so it keeps coming off and i keep just kind of just pushing it back on with my hand well today when i went to open the door it came completely off oh no and i was like well shit now what so i picked it up and i looked and i'm like oh look there's like a little like screw right here that's why it keeps coming off because the screw's not on so i put it back on and i just tightened it with my thumb i didn't like get a tool or anything yeah. like that and then i went to shut up the door and i put it on upside down so now my door doesn't shut because the swoopy handle is in the <laughs> door jam <laughs> Oh, oh that's, that's my creativity. <laughs> I put the doorknob on backwards. Um, have you thought about maybe getting a tool and fixing it? Well, now I need to get a tool and fix it or else I can't shut the back bedroom door. Which would no Which would be more of a problem if you actually had a bed in there. Or, well, yeah, that's true. My back bedroom also smells weird mm. at times. It's Everyone's, got that musty smell. Are everyone, you sure somebody didn't die in there? I was just I about know, to maybe. say. Every time I was, every once in a oh while I God, walk in. Oh my God, that's so super gross. And it like smells like salami in there to me. I like walk in, I'm like. Okay, perfect solution. Sublet the back bedroom, right? So <laughs> your income to go on your trip, but you have to sublet it to a beautiful delightfully good smelling single man so a when it's too warm he has to take his shirt off and (laughs) since it doesn't smell very good he'll make it smell better with all cologne and everything and but then i'd have to share a bathroom with him 
But if he was a hot looking man, you wouldn't care. Then he'd be walking around in a towel. What's wrong with this picture? It depends on his hygiene habits because I'm not going to put up with a bunch of hair all over the fucking counter. No, it's going to be good. Like he's going to be this, like he's going to clean up. He's going to smell really good. He's going to look really good. You just, I, I believe this so, man that you're talking about is fictional. No, I would say I'm pretty sure it's Spencer Reed. I'm, I mean, if you get Spencer Reed as a roommate, I will come over every day and say hi. I'm just saying. All the way from I'm, Edmund. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> or Shamar Moore. Either one. Wait, be all right with that. Well, let me go ahead and Bonnie send them an email. Bonnie will have to send out a group text with, to everyone minus Megan. Like, could we please have an intervention so... Megan will stop coming over to my. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see her come start coming up and just shut off all the lights. We're not home. There's nobody here. She'll be going to the back porch and saying, I can see you in there. I'll be like, Echo, I know you can't hear me, but let me in. (laughs) If you walked to the back and she saw your shadow, she would bark. She would bark. It'd be like a show on A&E where we all have to like rent this cheap hotel room and like sit down in a circle together. (laughs) We're all really concerned about you. I probably do need a criminal minds intervention though, because I'm on like season six already. (laughs) And, and I've realized that like, I know too well, and Rachel probably is the same problem when you know too many criminal like too many actual cases because when criminal minds finally hits one that like you've heard on a like murder podcast or you know about but they've like changed the location you're like no that's not no that's not where that dude was <laughs> yeah, you changed that detail that's not how that happened yeah Get the story right please yeah they they did the eyeball killer of texas but they had it set in oklahoma and i was like he was in texas uh. Mm-hmm. But I, it, but it was still funny because it was set in Oklahoma City, and they clearly did not know what to do with Oklahoma City. Like, that <laughs> is not an uncommon thing yeah. to not know what to do. I live here, and I don't know what to do with Oklahoma City. <laughs> were they actually in Oklahoma City? Probably no, not. I'm they're sure they were in like, LA. We're gonna make this in Oklahoma City. We're like, I'm not going to fucking Oklahoma. No, they're probably somewhere in thinking? like California. And then they probably went like Northern California like, to try to make that, it look different. That stalker fan Megan that I have is in Oklahoma <laughs> City. I'm staying away. <laughs> He just seems like a cool dude to know. Like Matthew Go- Gray Goobler just seems like a cool dude. Like he's kind of a goofball. He'd just be fun to like meet once and be like, are you as funny in person as you seem like you are like in. You know what my problem is, Megan, is that you're saying all these names and they're like a foreign fucking language to me. <laughs> because when I see an actor, I'm not thinking about what their name is. Oh, well, I've they're the Criminal character. Minds, oh, no, but he is Spencer Reed. He is, if, he is. if you say Spencer, I'm like, oh, okay. But if you say the name, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking He's about? He's the only one I know by actual, like, well, and You Shamar always Moore. say the name. You always say the name. <laughs> well, as far as Criminal Minds, those are the only two. Him and Derek Morgan are the only two that I know, like, their real name. The other because ones, I'm like, JJ. <laughs> they're real people, Martha. They don't just live on the TV in the Criminal Minds. No, mindset. they mm-hmm. live in the TV. Nope. And no, they're, because they're Hodge, Hodge got kicked out of the TV because he punched a crew member. They're there specifically it, to Hodge. entertain me. That's why they're there. I actually like Criminal Minds, but here's the whole reason. Okay, so we had this group text going on, and everybody's like read, <laughs> like watching like criminal shows like NCIS and Criminal yeah, Minds. Yeah, because I'm and, on NCIS. <laughs> how to get away with murder and all this other crap. And I'm like, I'm watching Disney Channel. <laughs> I alternate between them. Sometimes I creep myself out, and I'm like, I need a Disney happy show to like well, reset. Bonnie's watching Bambi, and we're watching Spirits. <laughs> I was watching Incredibles. I was watching The Incredibles. That's kind of a super villain that's kind of i remember that text feed and i was like they're all crazy i was watching watching a book too oh that's oh that's right rachel was the only one who was actually doing something book related 
I, I just have to ask, I've been very disturbed over the last few weeks. You know, I've gone out and I've seen several young men that now have intentional mullets. When and why did this resurface? I really, I need to know because I'm not okay. And I don't feel like they're okay. <laughs> I wonder if it's a side effect of Tiger of King. Tiger King? It's, it's, it's a, I think it's a combination. It's Tiger King. And they can't get haircuts. Uh, who's the OU <laughs> Who's the OU coach that oh, has God. a mullet? What the um, freak is his name? Or it's just they can't get haircuts. That I think the part, that was the, where I was going next is there so many people have guys are growing out their hair because either they don't want to get a haircut or they, it's an excuse not to nope. get a haircut. Yesterday, like these, the ones that I've seen have been intentional because they are long. And like I saw a kid yesterday, I forget where, I don't know if I was at a store or something. And it was shaved. Gundy. Gundy. Yeah. And and it was intentional. And I wanted to. Oh, no. I just, I wanted to go up to him and say, why, honey? Why? (laughs) Are you okay? Here's the other thing, guys. The older you get, the more you realize that that the things that look ridiculous to us looked fucking awesome back in the 80s. I had a mullet and I loved it. Had the shaved sides had the big, you know, the whole thing. I thought it looked awesome. I had that same hairstyle for like 10 years. Oh, and I no. loved that hairstyle. I did not. So here's the thing. What goes around comes, comes around yep. in fashion. That's Ugh. true. Everything hideous that. is going to happen again. So just embrace it. I'm ready for the tight rolls of the jeans to come I'm back. I'm not doing it again. But it'll come around again. I remember my mom saying that when like the 70s style pants came back. Mom's like, I should have just kept all my clothes. Yep. And then you could have just had them and they would have been extra cool because they would have been vintage. Right. Yeah. This is why I'm so not trendy. Literally, my wardrobe consists of jeans, tennis shoes, T-shirts and hoodies. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what I wear. I mean, I just, I A, I keep up and... B, whenever I see new things, I'm like, well, that's not practical. That's not comfortable. Or that just doesn't look good. (laughs) Well, last, like before quarantine, I went to the mall and was like shopping and I was looking around. I was like, when did the nineties come back? Like it was like the Mm -hmm. Adidas shirt with like the striped sleeves and like the Rachel, like spaghetti strap dress with like the like white undershirt under the dress and i was like we did this already guys anything is better than the 70s you get those polyester loud print fucking wrap dresses oh i love those big old paisley bail bell bottom polyester pants no just no i love 70s clothes no megan no i'm down for i know that the 70s are still somewhat on track because last time i watched bachelorette or bachelor i don't know whatever one i watched last time um they had like those 70s style like pantsuits like that oh are full oh my god yeah. i like fucking hated the 70s the ones that fashions. you have to get like totally naked to go to the bathroom yeah. oh i hate yeah. that stuff with the I big you know tie belts and stuff yep. and i'm i'm watching Boy, those that things going, go right in the toilet like do they, they fall not in the toilet know how well either that or you have to like kind of hold well, it's it just like wearing a you, romper yeah rompers are awful yeah, I don't yeah. Hate, sometimes I, uh, I'm okay I mean with them. I liked rompers every once in a while but one of the reasons I why I didn't be, wear them is because of the bathroom thing yeah I don't want to be in a public bathroom with nipples hanging out exactly like, yeah. hello I mean <laughs> there's I shouldn't have to be practically naked to pee no 
you have the stall gap. Yes, the stall gap is, that's a deal breaker, you guys. That's why I turn around when I pull my pants up when I'm in a stall. Yeah, but if you're sitting on the toilet and your tatas are all... Y'all don't wear bras with your rompers? I was going to say, well, I wear a bra. Waving around in the breeze. The only thing waving around in the breeze is my belly fat. Is my muffin top. Well, that that too. People looking at that either. (laughs) That's true. That's true. And then remember the bodysuits that they had that like had the snaps at the snappy crotch. Yeah, Yeah, that you look like you were wearing a onesie or something. For long waisted girls, that was like the worst because that thing is going up to your well that and you that's like a permanent camel toe right there so then you yep. just tuck it in and then you have the little the circles from the, the circles snaps. from the, <laughs> whoever like, came up with those things bad. and stirrup pants those you know god they i wanted a pair of stirrup well that's true Any piece of uncomfortable clothing that is for women were all designed by men i guarantee you i think they should be required to wear a fucking snappy crotch <laughs> That'd be hilarious, wouldn't it? Huh? The only uncomfortable men's clothing, I swear, are like tuxedos, and I those assholes should have to wear a tuxedo at least at least once a week. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, it's tuxedo day at work again. (laughs) Damn it. God damn it. (laughs) These shoes are so uncomfortable. Shut the fuck up and put on your But they look so damn good in tuxedos if they fit right. Yeah, but a tuxedo would be more comfortable than some of the shit that we have to wear underneath the dresses. That's true. That's tuxedo The sausage casings that you have to get yourself into in order yes. to fit into the dress if i have to put on some fucking spanks to be able to put on my dress you gotta wear a tuxedo at least for a week actually i think that's kind of a good idea rachel i think you're on to something it is, you know how if you dry yourself in the dryer sometimes it'll get like the little hard bits on it i think that men's underwear should just randomly have at least one of those sporadically placed at all times <laughs> So they get a nice little pang of uncomfortable because I swear we are uncomfortable all the time and they never are. So I'm just like every once in a while, I just want you to get a little jab in the ball sack or something. (laughs) Right. Speaking of jabs in the ball sack, are we going to talk about books? <laughs> not, I don't know if that's a good transition it or isn't, not. It isn't, but I just was, you know, it, I just love that. Jab in, I'm going to be using that one later, Rachel. Jab in, a, in the jab ball in sack. Balls. Yep. Well, the book that I read did not have anything to do with jabs in the ball sack. <laughs> but it did have to do with a piece of clothing. Hey. Mm, okay. I read... A Fall of Marigolds by Susan Meisner. This is a historical fiction about a young woman. Well, at the very start of this book, there's a character who works in a factory store. And she has a like 90-year-old, like kind of fancy upper class lady Mm -hmm. who gives her this marigold scarf. And she asks her to try to match the fabric which that's what she does. That's her specialty at this fabric store in New York City. She gets this scarf from this old lady and then she's going to meet her fiance to tell him some big news because she just found out that day she's pregnant. And she gets a few blocks away from it and the planes run into or hit the towers. So she has this scarf and she never gives it back to the owner. And then you kind of go to 9 or 1911 to the story of this girl who's working as a nurse at Ellis Island 
So when like the um, immigrants and everything come into Ellis Island, so this is when we're still getting a huge flux of um, immigrants and they all have to go through screening and anyone who is on a ship that had any kind of breakout or anything, they all have to go to quarantine. So she's... Sounds familiar. <laughs> right. <laughs> Read a book about quarantine. <laughs> Imagine that. So she um, is working and she's um, helping with the immigrants that are coming on. And there's this one gentleman who comes in from a boat who has experienced a pandemic or an outbreak of disease on the ship. So everybody needs to go to quarantine. Well, the gentleman who comes in, she kind of has like this draw towards him immediately. Mm -hmm. And He's sad. He's his wife, his new wife died from the disease on the ship. So he's, you know, sad and yada, yada, so on and so forth. And she tries to go out of her way to kind of help him. And when they go into quarantine, all of their luggage is put somewhere else. And basically, you know, if they die in quarantine, they incinerate any of the luggage of anybody who dies. So his wife's luggage is in the luggage that's supposed to be incinerated because she died of this disease. He wants to get this this book out of his luggage and they won't let him out of quarantine and he asks her to do it. And she's kind of like, well, you know, I'm really not supposed to. You're not supposed to have any personal items while you're in quarantine, yada, yada. But she goes ahead and she does it for him. And she accidentally gets into his dead wife's bag first by mistake and takes out this book of poetry that also has like a dear john letter (gasps) in it for her new husband oh snap yeah so and she doesn't want to tell him because he's sick he's going through this illness and so on so forth and she doesn't want you know to depress him because that can affect your your physical being also and so she's holding on to this and she doesn't know whether or not she should give it to him because i mean he has this like the picture of his wife of you know that she loved him and you know so on so forth and she doesn't want to burst that bubble i mean she's dead he's never gonna know yeah just let it let it lie right And then as she's kind of struggling with this and spending a lot of time with this guy, you kind of learn more about her history. And she was part of um, something that happened in New York's history called the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire, Factory Fire. I know about this one. Yes. So, and she was a, she was working in one of the offices. She wasn't a factory worker, but because of because of theft and everything in the factory, when the workers came in, they locked the doors so people couldn't leave. Well, there was a fire that broke out and nobody could get out. So, and she happened to be on the street. She was one of the people that actually could get out of the building, but then the factory workers who couldn't get out were like jumping out of windows and everything else. So she just, you know, went through that, like almost like survivor's guilt. Right, and all these people are jumping to their death, like right in front of her. And that's one of the reasons why she decided to go to Ellis Island was because of this 
tragedy and you know she has issues like ptsd and everything from witnessing all of these people die and yeah there was like i forget how many it was like a hundred and something people i want to say it might not have been that yeah many. i want to say it was like a hundred it was a lot because that's when they started 146 yeah caused the death of 146 people and but then you also find out that she had this love interest who worked in the same in the factory at the time that were it was kind of like love at the first sight and she had only known him for a couple of weeks but you know she really loved him and she thought that he loved her too and he's one of the people that died Mm. So that's one of the reasons why she felt like this connection with this guy is because... Yeah, they're kind of in the same... Right, because the guy um, who's sick had only known his wife for a couple of weeks before they got married. And it was one of those whirlwind romances, but he was going to America, so he's like, just come with me, I'll marry you. So they basically met like a couple weeks later, they got married and got on this ship, and then she died. Mm. So... And there's more twists and turns in there, but I can't say, I don't want to say anything more about it because, you know, does she give him the letter? Does she not give him a letter? What does she find out about her, her, her love interest that died in the shirt tail factory? Cause that comes back into play too later. And yeah. Ooh, that sounds like a good one. It was pretty good. The only problem I had with this book, I loved the story. Mm -hmm. Well, I had two problems with this book. For one thing, the person doing it could not do a, what what is it welsh accent to save their life Ugh, uh, that's welsh a hard is one. hard yeah and it sounded every time that this guy talked it sounded like a ghost who was questioning their life <laughs> it was like casper going through you know yeah identity problems <laughs> went every time that and it was annoying it was really i had to get past it so yeah. that i could get to the story and every time it's like and the main character the main female character in this was a little bit of a drama queen Mm. like more like went to get on a boat and she kept passing out and because i just can't take it blah 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 oh man so she was a little more dramatic than she had to be okay but i think they were trying to emphasize how the shirt tail fire affected her probably yeah but they went a little too far other than those two things I loved this book. It was a great story. It had some really interesting twists in it. So I would recommend it. I would probably only give it a four because of those two things. But yeah, it was it was decent. And again, that was called A Fall of Marigolds by Susan Meisner. Excellent. Ms. Rachel. So... This week, I'm going to review Too Much and Never Enough by Mary Trump. Um, So, and for anybody who obviously has listened, nonfiction is generally not my area of expertise. But the thing that really drew me to this book um, was the background of the writer. Um, So, the the author of this book is she has a phd she has a history working in mental health field and a lot of other you know just clinical aspects of things um so that's kind of what drew me to wanting into wanting to read this book was to see okay what is an insider's look at 
um, family dynamics of Donald Trump and um, their own personal experience as well as their clinical impression of things. Um, and I feel like it was really well represented um, in the book. I wouldn't say that the entire book is solely focused on Donald. Um, she does a really great job of talking about the family as a whole, I think, talking about the dynamics beginning with Fred, um, who's sort of the patriarch of the family, um, and sort is of- Fred his dad? Yes, yeah, Fred Trump is, um, yeah, the dad, and um, and sort of basically how he created this family system and what, and you know, what we see today as Donald Trump and these behaviors and other things like that. Um, but she also talks a lot about just her own experiences. She talks a lot about her dad and some of the other siblings um, within it. And now I don't think that this book provides any sort of, um, I, I don't want to say reasoning, but it doesn't provide a justification for doing certain things or. Thank you. Cause if it is, I don't even. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. This book really, it's not a justification for things. It's really just a, a perspective from someone both on the inside, but also from clinical of how this sort of family system has grown into what it is and is now actually continuing to be fostered by this person, by, you know, Donald Trump and, but also how the other family members still are worked into this system and how they are still victim to it and other things. And it's just, it's the intricacies of it are so interesting. And like the, the family system in and of itself is really sick and twisted and the fact that certain behaviors that we are all privy to now as a nation were glorified and um encouraged yes encouraged as positive behaviors and really getting the inside scoop on really what was going on behind closed doors um in relation to finances and other things um, was very interesting. Uh, some personal interactions that are discussed are very interesting. Um, there's a couple parts in the book where we've all had those awkward like family moments where we like meet somebody or we're in a family situation where it's like, okay, this is awkward. And I, you know, don't <laughs> happens to me all the time. <laughs> yes. And she really accurately, um, kind of puts in a lot of those different things where you can, even though I wasn't there, I could just feel how uncomfortable like she was or the situation she's describing is and it's just like nobody notices it within the family system like nobody says it. it's all just normal for lack of a better term within this family system but normalcy has completely gone out the window so abnormal is normal within yeah. here and it sort of creates this system of functioning slash non-functioning adult who then continue to pass that same thing on to their offspring. And I think part of it is they're conditioned within that system. But also I think when you have a patriarch of a family um, who I think they're, you know, 
when someone figures out how they can derive money and power, it's a powerful thing. And when they figure out how they can manipulate the rest of their family system to continue to be essentially the puppets of them being the puppet master, the puppeteer, um, it's, it's powerful. You gain a lot of, um, uh, yeah, power and control over those things. And once you have that sense of this is how I can control people, um, and I can continue to gain monetarily from it and other things, and they don't see anything wrong with it, then it just continues. And anybody who says anything different from it is then the outsider. When you read in the book, you, you recognize that his dad, Fred, actually got a little bit of a leg up from some money that his mother and he um, inherited when his dad died, right? Mm-hmm. But for Fred, for most, yes, but not not a lot necessarily, but they they took that sum of money. And <clears throat> Fred was a very, very smart, albeit at times not um, uh, honest or on the up and up businessman, but all of the money that he made, he came by honestly with things. He built that and did that, right? He was a very smart businessman. And from what the book says, when his oldest son, Fred Jr., or Freddie, as they call him, who is the dad of Mary, who wrote this book, he wasn't well equipped and or, well, he was maybe equipped, but didn't have the desire to do the things his father wanted him to do. The middle son, Donald, who was just eager to please and probably genetically had a lot of the same predisposition personality-wise, when Fred saw that he could manipulate that and turn this person into into what he needed them to be and encourage certain negative behaviors and make money off of that, then that's what happened. Mm. And if that makes so essentially for a big portion of this, Fred is the puppet master of things. He's basically grooming him to be who he wants him to be. Yeah. Essentially, but the false sense of you're accomplishing this, but in actuality, Fred is the one who's accomplishing all of these things. Gotcha. But outside into the public eye, the accomplishments are that of someone else, but... Of the son. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And even to the, you know, and Mary talks about when her dad passed away, you know, her dad, um, it... She at least sounds like she's a little skeptical of how it all went down, but he had health issues. He was an alcoholic and other things, but of course that was kept very hush hush and things. Um, But there wasn't a lot of sense of loss or grief or anything really when he passed away at a young age. Um, And it's kind of like the other kids, you know, the dad, Fred and Donald, they just kind of moved on business as usual. and she said in the book at one point, you, she kind of, especially as she got older, she got the sense, because she was a teenager when, um, uh, is it Ivanka? Yes. Yeah, Ivanka. Yeah. When she was born and she kind of got this sense and it really started to make sense to her and her uncle Robert sort of pointed it out of it's, you know, in with the new, out with the old a little bit. And that is sort of, the sense of things 
Um, and so you just see the, a lot of these recurring themes. We praise bad behavior. We praise things that, you know, even if it's not legal or different stuff like that. And um, whether it is right, wrong or whatever, as long as you're getting ahead, then that's what, that's the correct thing. Mm, interesting. And again, this false sense of superiority and achievement when there isn't actually any. So um, like business ventures and things like that, that seemingly, especially to the public, were thought to have been the, um, you know, done by Donald were actually done by his father. Yeah. Uh, you know, and money is just being fed and given. And so again, it's this really, and she makes a point in the book that, um, it sort of breeds this human being that if they had to actually function on their own, um, outside of that system, wouldn't, don't know how to function because they don't know how to work without that ego stroke. And I think and, we're seeing it. We're, we're, we're seeing it. And she references that as that now the American people, um, are being subjected to something that once before was only within a business community or family community. This sort of learned helplessness and ego that he has is well known within the family, but it continues to be coddled because of a sense of power over certain things. And there are some other intricacies and things that she talks about in the book um, that I don't think would surprise at least not those of us who are on this podcast or listen to this podcast, <laughs> but that really just go in and it just, when you read them, you're like, of course that makes sense with the deceitfulness and, um, and, and lying and underhanded thing and different things. And from a lot of different family members, it's almost just like it was, it, it just part of the game and it's okay and it's almost like being in your own little world essentially is is what it boils down to especially for donald trump is living in his own world that he's never it's never been any different what and like i said it doesn't justify any behaviors if at the very least it just makes them make more sense if I had to say anything about this book is it just, it provided insight. It didn't increase my compassion for anything. It didn't change my view of how um, I think things need to be going or how people need to behave in certain offices. It provided insight and perspective on something. Kind of like when you read a, a, a serial killer book written from the perspective of the cure, uh, the serial killer, it's not that you're saying that, oh, well, since this, that happened, it's okay for you. He was abused as a kid, so it's okay for him to kill right. It's okay for you to kill women. people, but yeah. it gives you an insight of the mind of... Yeah, the mind at, at work. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's an excellent example of looking at it. But the thing that I truly believe, and this is just my own personal opinion is behaviors and thought patterns and different things. They're not going to change with this individual. They're, they're not going to, um, there's not remorse for things. There's, there's not going to necessarily be any of those things. So don't go into this book looking for magic answers or different stuff. She gives a pretty objective view of certain things. It seems to be just her telling the truth from her. Well, own you know, the truth is a rare commodity these days. Unique to have someone, a clinician, 
with her education sort of on the inside of this. And I think that's where the unique perspective comes in that she brings to the table. Very true. Okay. So title and artist. So that was too much and never enough by Mary Trump. All right. We're going to take a hard left. (laughs) Um, so while Martha was on vacation and not on our Zoom calls, uh, we decided we were going to bamboozle her when she came back. And they did. And we did. And it took her an hour and 25 minutes to figure it out. Bitches. Because <laughs> we all read romance books. <laughs> we all read romance books and it took her a while. Off. I was wondering how long it, it took me. It took out. me like maybe five books in. Yeah. Also. To go, what the actual? Could we have something besides a romance novel? Well, you and actually said that. I did. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, I I'm said it a couple it worked, of times. Though. And then and then by, by about the time, I think somebody said something like, well, I really did try to read one. And then I was like, it was Shona. Oh, it was Shona. She did it. <laughs> and they did. They all reviewed romance novels on yeah. the call. I didn't even get to review my romance novel because my phone died. Oh, that's right. I saw it and it was like 1%. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> missed two calls and you see what happens. Well, Sometimes. I'm sad I missed your reaction because I was still looking forward to it because, of course, obviously I was in on it as well. So <laughs> She kind of oh, sat back and was like, you bitches. And I'm we all laughed. Actually, I said you fuckers, but you bitches. <laughs> so I'm going to review the book I read as part of our Martha punking. Um, <laughs> so I read Dirty Billionaire by Megan March. And I li- so I was just literally scrolling through Libby, looking through romances for that weren't 100 million hours long and that were going to be a little saucy. And at first my, my Libby settings were stuck on YA and I was like, why am I not getting any, like, I like tried to search 50 shades, like just to get the right category to come up. And I was like, oh, cause it's set on YA. <laughs> not so going to show up. So you had to take that off. So I had to take my YA off my Libby app. And she's like, oh my gosh, there's a whole new world pouring out here. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so then this one came up and I was like, oh, okay. I was like, oh, this cover's got like the shirtless guy. I was like, this will be it. So I clicked on it. It was like four and a half hours. I'm like, perfect. And, and amazingly, I actually really liked it. <laughs> Is it billionaire or millionaire? Billionaire. So dirty okay. billionaire. Yeah, dirty billionaire. Was it really dirty? Right one. It, it it was a little dirty. Or rich dick. I mean, that works too. <laughs> so the best part of the, and why I picked it is in the description on Libby. It it's basically going him saying, "Hey, I'm an asshole." deal with it i'm rich is kind of the description and i was like i'm here for this let's see where this goes um and it actually had a lot of like story to it like it wasn't just like it wasn't 50 shades of gray where it's like here's the sheepish girl who like is the intern type feel we we meet our our girl and she is actually like an up-and-coming famous country singer in nashville Two things I hate, I romance know. and country music. But it hit home for me because I grew up in Nashville. You know what? So I, was... I got a pee, so you just go right oh, ahead. Oh, this is not fair. Oh, come on. <laughs> now we got to wait for her now to come Now we got to wait for her to come back. Oh. How are we going to get the snide comments? I know. We have to wait. Oh. Who who wrote that book? Sorry, I have a UTI. Go pee. Uh, Megan March. 
M E G H. There's a whole bunch. There's like a whole series yeah, of there, Dirty Billionaire. There's three of them, I think. There's three. I got. The, I just. I just downloaded the first one for free on Nook. Yeah. It's M E G H A N. Megan March. Yeah. The other two books are only three ninety nine. I think. Yeah. I got mine on Libby. I pulled mine up on the Libby app and just downloaded. Like, listen to the audio. Are you done yet? I no, said just I, the guy. I was not, not kidding when I said we were waiting for you. <laughs> Jesus H freaking Christ. So tell me about this dirty book. Okay. Because so, I'm all, I need, I need a good dirty book after my freaking flop of a romance that I read. Okay. So our country singer, we meet her and we find out that her record label, her contract with her record label is kind of shit because she basically won like American Idol of country music. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of control her life a little more than probably maybe normal i don't know so she's in a fake relationship with this other country singer who needs like image rehab and he's basically the country singer's in the closet i knew it of course he you know he had to be useless right so he's in the closet and so but he's having she's having to act like she's his girlfriend so she's his beard basically and he's out like on all the tabloids and everyone's like does she know that did it and like so kind of making her look like a fool and she befriends kind of like the faith hill of country music like the cup like tim mcgraw faith hill they've been together forever mm-hmm. and they're kind of friends and she's like girl you've got to get out of this shit like he's gonna ruin your career and so they go to there she goes to new york for a show at like madison, madison square garden and it's christmas I don't know what it was. Anyway, so she goes up there and she goes to the bar and she's like, I'm going to get me some tonight. So she goes into the bar with the intent and like ends up meeting the guy and they go and she's like, this is going to be a one night stand. I don't really care what happens. And he like falls head over heels for her and he's like whoring around New York City. So like for him to have a lot of girls is not an uncommon event in his life. And so she goes back to Nashville's doing her thing, trying to get figure out how to get out of this contract or how to get out of this relationship. And her PR people are like, Oh my God, you know what we need to do to fix this? You all need to get engaged and get married on like New Year's Eve because he's performing in Times Square and it'll be perfect. At the end of his show, he'll propose. And she's like, Oh hell fucking no. Are you talking about the guy who she's the beard for? Yeah. Like, oh. cause they're really trying to like push this image of him to being like, the perfect country guy now like they're like Mm -hmm. we've got to get him out of the tabloids let's get them married so then she gets a call from i'm calling her the faith hill character because i can't remember her name but basically the billionaire in new york because she knew who he was right Mm -hmm. away she was like i know who this guy is he had no idea who she was and she doesn't leave her name her number like she like they get it on and she like leaves Mm -hmm. so then he posts an ad in a, mag- a newspaper being like hey person like that who I met at this bar yeah like I was in this like here's come meet me on New Year's Eve at the place where we first like got it on so of course the tabloids are then all over him like oh my god who's the billionaire sleeping around with like he's in the thing he's like I'll propose to you we'll go get married like it's New Year's Eve whatever so she's stuck like do i go to the the country singer or do i go to this amazing billionaire who's also really good in bed and so why was there a question i right i don't know because (laughs) she was worried about her career she didn't want to lose her singing career uh so of course spoiler alert (laughs) she runs to the billionaire (laughs) 
and it's just like and there's a lot of stuff that unfolds um it, there are, it is a series of three um i will say that thank god for mask at work because i was listening to it on audiobook at my desk with my headphones in and um it's definitely graphic <laughs> Um, and I would sit there at my desk and I could feel my whole face turning red. <laughs> and well, I, that's what happens when you listen to porn at work, Megan. And like, you're not supposed to have wet panties when you're at work. I'm just saying. So people would like come into my office and I'd be like, pause and like turn my phone over. She's blushing right now. I thinking am. About it. I'm blushing right now, like thinking about it. And I, people would come in and I'd be like, please pause. And I'd be like, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, if only you knew what I was listening to. Um, then it made me really glad that I physically read Fifty Shades because I'm not sure I would have finished the Fifty Shades books if I had listened to them. So it was kind of an interesting dynamic to have physically read the Fifty Shades and then listen to this one. Um, and I did like in this book on audio, they had a male narrator for him and a female narrator for her. And so you could tell when it was like a change, like it wasn't just somebody the same well, person. Well, then you didn't have a guy trying to imitate the girl. Yes. Yeah. Which uh, sometimes that's uh, like, uh, there was none of that. There was a lot of dirty talk, but there was none of that noise. Um, <laughs> that's hard to write. The, uh, uh, yeah. And so it's, just, it, it like what I liked about it is that it had, like truly was a bit of a, it has a story to it like it's not just oh she's gonna marry the billionaire and be like i'm here now like i'm just gonna chill in your penthouse like she's still writing music and she's still like focused on her career she has a life it's yes. not a contract to be right she's still and she kind of stands up for herself like when he tries to be like well i don't really care about your career and she's like well i don't really care if you do or not i do and i'm still gonna do my career so like fucking deal with it yeah <laughs> which is kind of fun so it ends with a little bit of a cliffhanger so i might have to get the second one to i mean i'm sure i know what happens by the third book because it's a romance and it has to but i'm intrigued to see what it can like transpires but i just thoroughly enjoyed the fact that it had substance to it and it wasn't just like like a bad plot in a porn yes yeah exactly I think some people would be surprised because i read i think a lot more of those books than any well than we know here, but yeah but a lot of them actually do have stronger female characters yeah and i liked her because she was like mm -hmm. she's from kentucky and she's kind of sassy because she's like a sassy southern kind of southern yeah. belle but not like she definitely didn't have no. the best upbringing so mm -hmm. for her to be kind of thrust into that like high flute in life is like she's like I have she she has her cowboy boots and she's like my literal did shape you say kickers. thrust you did I did I was really happy we got the word thrust thrown in there <laughs> yeah so I'm actually gonna start reading that today Megan <laughs> it was good I really enjoyed it. and then like I sent it to my my group text of friends because my friend Danielle is like obsessed with Fifty Shades I was like Danielle I've got one for you and my friend Allie was like what was it called how many are there <laughs> like so everybody's you yeah. horny little bitches maybe by the third one the the first cowboy boyfriend who likes Audis and not innies comes back and they have a threesome <gasps> you never know jesus mm. you know could what? you please just oh if you like that megan i have another recommendation of a series for you it's called like the rain shadow series it's a motorcycle club one i don't tend to like that but there's a different twist in it um and i think there's like four or five books but if you like those kind of strong characters you'll like that oh have to yeah. add that to the list. I read that series last year, and I'm pretty sure that's what it's called, the Rain Shadow series. Oh, okay. Is uh, it? But is it dirty? 
That's oh, what I yeah. want to know. Is oh, it, oh, it's yeah. dirty. Motorcycles? Oh, yeah. yeah. Jesus. But that was uh, Dirty Billionaire by Megan March. So, Rachel, we talked too long. Now you have to flee. That's right. Well, then I'm just tired of all of you. Oh. <laughs> really, it's because she has to start that book now. She I'm going to be go bitch slapping you later on that. As soon as I'm allowed to bitch slap you, I'm going to be doing that. <laughs> well, as long as you do it from six feet, you're probably fine. <laughs> I'm sure they have some kind of extension can, for that. A distance yeah. bitch slapper? We can, we can get sure. a selfie stick and just put like a hand <laughs> on the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> all kinds of innovations are coming out of the coronavirus era <laughs> oh. have a great day rachel tell tom hi give uh give bubs Ab- a little slap for us would you okay on the bum <laughs> slap bubs on the bum <laughs> bye rachel bye. bye and speaking of weird i'm sure your book was weird well, actually, I was going to review a different book, but since you guys pissed me off, I've got to review something that is more me than the one I was going to review because, you know, I just can't. I just can't do anything. You have to counterweight. Our- yeah, I do. I have to bring something different to the table. So the book I'm going to review this week is called The Loop by Joe Coomer. And it was on a book riot list of weird books. Of course. Which, of course, I freaking love weird books. They're my very, very favorite. So this this book starts out with this guy who sits out on his porch of his trailer um, in the mornings. And he's sitting out there and this parrot flies up. Well, the parrot says really, the parrot talks. So the parrot's sitting there talking to him and saying all these phrases, and the guy is really intrigued because he says really interesting things like, that which hath wings shall tell the matter. So, so it's from Shakespeare? Shakespeare. <laughs> so, so, so the bird, you know, the, the guy's really obsessed with where the bird came from. And the story is... Well, first of all, this guy is kind of quirky in himself. His job is um, he's he's a Texan. This takes place in Texas. And his job is to go out on the interstate. And um, I think it's in Dallas. He goes out and he helps people who have a flat tire or people stranded and that sort of thing. That's his job. Or to clean up the highway during accidents and whatnot. That's his job. Well, he's super quirky anyway, and he gets obsessed with finding out where this parrot belongs. So he puts an ad in the newspaper to try to find the parrot's owner. Well, in the meantime, he can't stand it because the parrot just says all this weird shit, just really random stuff that a parrot wouldn't, obviously didn't learn on its own. And um, he kind of gives it more weight than it really deserves you know he Mm -hmm. he's like really philosophical about what this means to his life you know with really the parrot's just repeating something right right um and so he goes to the library and he meets this librarian he sort of ends up connecting with this young librarian because he tells her what he's trying to do and they kind of work on it together and they end up forming a relationship and uh 
the whole thing. But it was really interesting because he really does trace all of the owners that this parrot has had over the years. And he finds out this parrot is like almost 100 years old. Wow. So he goes back through all of these owners over time. Parrots are live to be... No, do they really? Yeah, Yeah, they do. parrots have uh, almost no. like a human's yes. lifespan. No. Yeah, yeah, they do. I'll look I, it call, up. I call bullshit. I'm Googling this, all but right, continue. So anyway, maybe not quite 100 years, but close. So he, he goes back and finds all of these different, um, different owners that the parrot has had over time, and he ends up sort of that's what the story's about it's a it's about the parrot and so you get to know this guy over time and you get to know the librarian and you get to know the parrot and it's a very strange book but I really loved it I loved it I gave it five stars because it was so engaging and the characters were so quirky and I love that kind of thing. It's the kind of story where it's so weird, it almost feels like it has to be true, even mm-hmm. though it isn't. It's fiction. But it's, it, it's the sort of thing that could happen. It could. And, and, and I liked it because it completely took me out of myself. And right now, that's more important to me than anything else that you could possibly imagine. Megan, what did you find out? I see that look on your face. Um, some of them can live up to 75 years. Some can live 50 years, so I take it back. You're right. Yeah. So anyway. Long time. So what I pulled up is large parrot species. Yeah. So this parrot lives to be quite old, and he ends up, you know, tracing back to all of these different owners. And and so the different owners taught the parrot different things over time. Mm. So it was really interesting. Interesting and different and... Well, I, I hate to say the word poignant, but it kind of was in a way. Well, and it's kind of like the journey of the parrot and like, yeah, it was the people, and it, and but it was about the guy too. Cause he's really quirky and his relationship with the girl, but not in a romancy kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm with you. It was really good. I liked it. Nice. Um, so if you're that looking was- for something super different, it was a super different book and it just felt like something I needed at this time. And it was called The Loop by Joe Coomer, and I gave it five stars. Wow. Five stars from I Martha. Did. I did. Wow. Yep. That's impressive. Yep. So, yeah, and you know, if I give it five stars, you're probably going to hate it and just go with that. <laughs> not always. I mean, you're not 100% wrong there. <laughs> People who fall into line with my taste are going to love it. Everybody else, not so much. I mean, was the parrot from another world, from outer space? No, no, it was an was actual... Was William Shakespeare reincarnated? No. Damn. No, it was an actual parrot and an actual guy and an actual girl in actual Texas. So, so mm. I mean... Nothing supernatural involved at all. That I could probably get on board with. You actually might not hate it, but... I've kind of been in a slump lately. I've been, I've had a hard time. Like the book, the current book that I'm reading, I got halfway done with it and I didn't know what the fuck was going on. So I started it again. Yeah. I finished a book. If you didn't know what the fuck was going on, why even bother? Because I want to, there was key parts of this book that I really liked 
And then all of a sudden I was listening to it and I'm like, I don't understand what happened. I missed something. So I don't know if I took my headphones off and forgot to hit oh. pause or, <laughs> oh, or well, what you should happened. just go back a few chapters. and. So now I got to go home and find a tool to fix my freaking doorknob. Well, um, didn't you say it was a screw? How about a screwdriver? Well, it's like one of those weird, like <laughs> Allen wrench. Oh, kind of it's an thing. Allen wrench. Well, how oh. about Would you like an Allen wrench? I have some somewhere at home. Now I just got to find what box I put it in. All right. Oh, but you know what? You know what is funny? Hmm. Um, while you were on your vacation and we'd all plotted against you for romance. And then all of a sudden you posted a link that was like, looking for light reads. Here's romance. And I was like, does she fucking know? She knows somebody told her. I know. I literally. <laughs> I did put a, I did put something on like, um, this is for, uh, this is definitely not for me. Yes. But I posted it because it was something that, um, that, uh, I thought maybe Book Riot put out. Yeah. Yeah. I thought maybe Book Riot had a bunch of good lists. I really thought you like had like called in on the phone and like, we didn't know you were there or like, (laughs) you paranoid people or that like we had you in the group text and forgot (laughs) like you were in it. That could happen. (laughs) Oh my God. But I was like, she knows, she knows. She's reading our mind. I even called my Rachel and I was like, I think Martha knows. (laughs) She was like, why? (laughs) And she was like, why? I was like, she posted about romances. (laughs) She never posts about romance. <laughs> well it was vacation it was it was vacation <laughs> maybe i had romance on my mind mm, maybe uh, with your whole family <laughs> i told you it was a family of swingers <laughs> oh that's true <laughs> the gnome went home too by the way that's good 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 to the front porch of my sister-in-law <laughs> so sister-in-law is now looking for partners yep she I is c- open for business <laughs> i can't wait to hear the stories that come back about that <laughs> She'll never gnome alone. <laughs> Gnomes are still cute. It doesn't. Uh, you I did not. I did not move my gnome. It's still out there. I feel like though it just depends on the area because like if you Google it, there's like different answers. Yeah, yeah I'm not so. worried about it. I I like gnomes. Screw it. I think they're cool. I yeah. mean, basically, it could be anything that you put in your yard. That's a symbol. Well, the upside down pineapple makes more sense to me because if you take something ordinary and do something different with it, true, you know, that makes more sense. Uh, Shona G said she had a whole bunch of people in her neighborhood she thinks are swingers. (laughs) Oh, we had new friends on the call on Friday. Yeah, we did. We We had had two new friends on on the call on Friday. Swoger. Swoger and Jamie. Jamie. So welcome. You can all join us if you... Go to our social page and yep. follow the link on Fridays. On Facebook. Well, you well, got to join the tribe. You have to join the tribe. Yeah. But all you have to do is request to join the Three Book Girls tribe. And you can find that in the Three Book Girls page on Facebook. Yes. Or you can just search Three it. Three Book Girls book tribe is what you need to search. So join us for the talk and then you can hear, <laughs> hear about all the backstage shenanigans that go on about us and uh, also meet some book friends that's my favorite part of it absolutely is because meeting the book friends well yeah and and it's not just us making friends with 
with fellow book lovers. It's the book lovers making friends with each other. We're going right. to have one hell of a book girls party when we are all allowed to leave oh, our locations. Oh my God. I, know. I cannot wait. I am so excited for that. I don't care when it happens. I'm excited because the next time we do get together, it is going to be one serious bash. Yes. So be I warned, think, Oklahoma City. We're all going to be having to call Ubers at the end of this party. <laughs> we can just all sleep in Martha's backyard. It's fine. There's plenty yeah. of room back there. Yeah. Everybody can bring a tent. Well, I've got a blow up in the closet. There oh, yeah. I slept Megan. on that. It yep. was comfy. A no? blow up bed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or a blow up something else? <laughs> <laughs> well... You know, the blow-up penis doesn't work so well, so you're going to have to insert your dildo there. Get that going. <laughs> That's going to be my next invention. Actually, I'm just kind of thinking of balloon animal kind of things and a blow-up penis. Uh-huh. Like you could twist it and make it into like a dog or a giraffe. <laughs> then it could be a blown-up, a blow-up penis giraffe. Giraffe penis? Do you have like a uh, <laughs> fetish? No, I'm just seeing pictures in my giraffes. mind between... Or m- maybe it's a clown fetish that sort of crossed over. Yeah, because that's what I dream of. Blow up penises and clowns. Hey. That's even more disturbing works. than criminal minds. I, 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 really, though? <laughs> Add just, some gnomes in there and you've really got something going on. All I just pictured was like John Wayne Gacy with like a blow up tilt-o <laughs> at the kids, <laughs> kids shows. <laughs> I mean, of all the clowns in the world to have a like inflatable penis balloon, it would be John Wayne Gacy. Now I'm gonna need therapy. <laughs> I think all of us could use. A li- Where the hell is Rachel when we need her? Come back. Oh, and on that note, that's gonna do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.